Welcome to Manager Tools. In the past, we've talked about how to delegate, but today we're going to talk about what to delegate. Here we go. Now, this is a question that comes up all the time, and we have resisted giving any guidance here. But what happens is we train groups or coach executives or managers on delegation. And then what they want to know, the question we always get is, well, okay, I'm supposed to delegate, but what do I delegate? (laughs) Yeah. You know, we've been focused for a long time on the how of delegation, right? Let's give people a a lower hump to go over, so to speak, right? Right. and the how of delegation, when we talk, when we train or when we coach on delegation, it's the details of, okay, when you've decided what to delegate, here's how you do it. And that's the fourth concept in the manager tools, Trinity, the famous fourth silent fourth concept. And really, I mean, part of the reason we resist it is we feel like the decision is best based on what the manager's priorities are and what the direct's abilities are. But look, I mean, in much the same way that we changed the coaching model, because people weren't using it as easy as it was. And we just want to make this stuff accessible. We realized after hundreds of questions, okay, what do I delegate? What do I delegate? What do I delegate? That it just must not be as easy as we thought to choose what to delegate. And, you know, like you say, they still ask what, 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 right? So this podcast is about the basics of what to delegate to our directs. And all we're doing is sharing with everybody what our underlying rationale was when we went through a list with a manager or executive to help them decide what to delegate. We just abstracted it out a little bit and said, these are the things we're thinking about when we coach someone on what a manager or executive should delegate. Simple. And we've got four key points we want to cover. The first one, and and, and I have to say that if you're somebody who likes five-minute podcasts, we're going to give you 90% of the value of this cast, I think, in, in a way, big picture right now. And that is, if you're looking for what to delegate, the first rule is we don't delegate our primary responsibility. Whatever it is that you're most responsible for, don't delegate that. That's not a way to, to, to develop one of your directs. The second thing, the second mindset relative delegation is effective managers over-delegate constantly. The people that are really effective at top level at executives, in fact, one of the things that makes that makes people makes the transition for people from manager to executive is the tendency to over delegate, not under delegate, not to withhold, but to over delegate. And if you need specific guidance, our point number three is delegate what your directs are good at or what they need, or in fact, what they want to do. Oh, that's a change. Okay, good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most people think about themselves first And really, because it's the people who are doing the work that we should be thinking about, we focus on the directs, what they're good at, what they want, or what they need. And then there is one final caveat we'll share just to keep things uh, simple. Good. Excellent. Okay. So the first one, this seems fairly obvious here, right? But unfortunately, many managers want to get rid of the things that they don't like about their jobs. And then they proceed to delegate the primary thing the organization expects from them. So it doesn't work. So you can't delegate your primary responsibility, or at least I guess you can. Yeah, you can. But we don't (laughs) recommend you do so. Yeah. Yeah. The problem, the reason we're restating it in a way, we're not, we're not just restating it. We want it. We want to explain it here, but 
we used to not even mention this prohibition. And the problem is we've seen it so often, we just have to cover it first. And what we mean is, look, think about it this way. Suppose you're a sales manager or a distribution manager, and you're, a, you're at a meeting with a plant manager in your company, in your firm. And that plant manager said to you, I really don't do much about the volume of the plant or the quality that the plant produces. I delegate those key things to some other people, and I worry about future planning and new hires. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're like, dude, are you smoking crack over there? I distribute your stuff. I sell your stuff. You're the plant manager. You're the guy I turn to. And you're telling me you don't think about the two most important things I look to you for, which is having enough of this stuff and making sure it's good. A plant manager cannot delegate her core mission. An engineering manager can't give away his job of delivering quality efficiently. A sales manager can't delegate her key accounts to others or the development of her team to one of that very team, of course. A software development manager can't give responsibility for project completion to one of his team. You can have them manage part of the project, but you can't delegate responsibility for project completion to one of your team. A project manager can't delegate the project success to one of the project's members. If you're the project manager, that's your job. And our point here is that even if you want to, don't. And some managers say, look, there are people, and it's happened in the last 20 years or so, people say, well, I want to create, I want to create my own job. I know I've got responsibilities, but I've got a good team. So I'm going to create a job that only allows me to do the three or four things I'm good at. I just got to tell you, folks, the organization doesn't pay you to do what you're good at. It doesn't even pay you to do what you like. It pays you to do your job. And the job is generally pretty clear. Most people can get two out of three, if not three out of three of their core responsibilities in a short quiz. You don't delegate those things. Yeah. There's, there's a um, common refrain we hear uh, in management training circles and the idea that you can delegate everything, like delegate yourself out of a job as if that's a good thing. And in general, I guess that could be considered a good thing. But if you, in fact, have gotten there by delegating everything, you're going to end up in trouble, most likely. There are some things you just can't delegate. Those things we call the big balls, right? Right. Yeah. In fact, didn't we have somebody just recently delegate everything and say something to their boss and 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 then discover that that didn't work? Yeah. Well, a good friend of ours uh, was was meeting with me and, and told me that he had delegated everything. And he, he his days were easy. He had nothing to do because he had delegated everything. And then six months later, we had a different conversation and he was in trouble because he was yeah. he got in trouble for those big balls that he had delegated to his folks yeah. and didn't follow up on. Yeah. You're using the analogy that we, we talked about in our juggling koan cast a couple of years ago. We created the scenario of a busy manager with 20 balls, right? Everybody's heard the analogy of juggling balls. And some of us, although I'm surprised at the number of people who have never heard that some of the balls are glass, right? So if you're juggling balls and you're juggling three rubber balls and a glass ball, we often make a point that, you know, some of the balls are glass, meaning if you drop them, they break. A rubber ball just bounces back and you pick it up, but a glass ball... Uh, is something that's really important, one of your key responsibilities. And, and, and but we changed the analogy a little bit, and we said that we're going to use an analogy of 20 balls in an inflexible box, right? And the box essentially represented someone's capacity to do work. And it's it, this is an oversimplification, but it, but it's fundamentally accurate. Since every manager we seem to talk to says they're terribly, incredibly busy, we assert that the box, with the, which essentially represents how many balls they can carry, is already full and it's inflexible. 
at least in the short term, because we just can't add a bunch of new work and magically find time for it. And so what we said in, in the Koan cast, uh, which we asked people, okay, what would you do? We said, okay, there are 20 balls in this box, but five of them are notably bigger than the other balls. So there are five big balls and 15 small balls in this box we've got. And one of our points with this analogy was that most of us have m- more than one major responsibilities, right? And, and those big balls are the responsibilities that we're going to be held especially accountable for. Now, look, we can't say for sure which tasks or projects or responsibilities are the key ones for any particular manager, but we can say this. If you feel that your boss would probably tolerate a slip on A, B, or C, but would be very angry and or very interested in any slip up on D or E, then we would probably agree with you or ask you to suggest that you characterize D or E as a primary responsibility, as a key responsibility. And those are tasks we recommend you never delegate. Okay, well, my boss is going to punish me severely for any slip in any of my responsibilities. So what do I do there? Yeah, that's, you know, (laughs) we get that question every time we have this discussion with people, whether we're coaching an individual or when we're doing working with a group. If you think your boss would severely punish or punish any slip up in any responsibility, most when we talk to them, more detailed people that are going through this, they probably say that they probably say their boss is a micromanager. But I have to tell you something, uh, micromanagement is not nearly as big a problem as most people say it is. Your boss being a micromanager is only true about 10% of the time. Now, I, I hate to burst people's bubble, but 90% of the time, it's not that your boss would punish you, although maybe your boss will be a little bit upset. Not, and we're not talking about a little bit upset, but we're talking seriously upset. Um, you know, 90% of the time, it's simply that the, that the manager who reports to this potential micromanager is just simply afraid of a bit of negative feedback based on you made a poor choice in terms of prioritizing all of your balls. So we don't want to overstate it. It's possible that if you're listening and your boss punishes you for every little slip up, then you are dealing with a micromanager. We doubt it. And we think it's just a case where you have to make choices. And part of development as a manager is making choices and getting feedback from the market. And the market in the sense includes your boss in this situation. So- Okay. So our our point with this is when you think about your job, one way to think about it is what will my boss really punish me for? And those are the things. And we're not saying that every manager has 20 uh, responsibilities. You may only have seven responsibilities and only one of them is a big one. But however you characterize it, don't delegate the big ones. Okay. So let's go, let's keep with that analogy that we have, that I have 20 balls that I'm managing here and five of them are big balls or glass balls and I can't drop them. So I have 15 that I could potentially delegate. So right. how many of those right. 15 should I delegate? Like one or two or, or yeah. well, as, many fact, as, that gets as many to, as five? Yeah that, gets, yeah, that gets to point number two, right? Which is effective executives. And, and we make the point about executives. It's an important one. We'll, we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Effective executives over-delegate constantly, okay? You were right. We, we've been clear. Let's not delegate those five. But let's be clear about about what effective managers and executives do delegate. And the answer is nearly everything else. Holy moly. Yeah. I mean, nearly everything else. Believe it or not, virtually every highly effective executive we know of is seen by others as delegating much more than the average executive and much, much, much more than the average manager. 
the transition from manager to executive is based in large part, not completely, not totally, but is based in large part on one's ability to delegate work to others and manage and lead them to success rather than doing the work oneself. Don't I open up myself to the the, the challenge that I'm, I'm getting rid of all my work and I'm not doing my job by delegating everything else other than those five? It just doesn't, seems like right. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. We could have a half hour discussion, which we won't hear, but we could have a half hour discussion between your job and your responsibilities. First of all, I would say most people define their job. You say, you say, well, I'm worried that I won't be seeing is not doing my job or you actually you'll be giving away your job, but you'll actually find more time for your responsibilities. Most people's jobs, the day-to-day stuff they do tends to have morphed over time into things we can do and things we like to do and things our boss is interested in or what the flavor of the month is. And and that's not always just a consultant from the outside like us, but rather that job has gotten a, a bit away, if not a lot away from one's responsibilities. Now, if you really think about your job, the work you do day to day, you're probably gonna find a good bit of difference. And what we would suggest is, when you think about your responsibilities, where you fit in the organization, what you really do, most people would say, wow, there's a lot of stuff I'm asked to do that really is not my responsibilities. You're, if you delegate, if you over-delegate to, to our recommendation, if you delegate nearly everything else but your big responsibilities, you actually will be doing more of your job if you take the time that you lost and give it back to those five big balls. Right. This this has got to be part of managerial economics, right? Which is the return of my investment of time on my top five, my big my big five balls is much greater than the return on investment of time on those bottom fifteen. Exactly. The higher we go in an organization, the bigger and more complex our work is, then the less able any one person is to do it. So we have to delegate. It's got you've got to be able to delegate to be an executive and to be successful. So effective executives delegate a lot of what they consider to be not their key responsibilities. And what we say to ourselves is, if I personally don't have to do it, I won't. If I don't think of it as a big ball, if I don't think of it as a glass ball, I will not do it. And what happens there, that the effect of that mindset is if we tell ourselves we won't do it, we immediately start thinking about someone else doing it. And what ends up happening is effective executives think only of the things we have to do, we must do. We overschedule ourselves there rather than spreading themselves, rather than spreading ourselves too thinly across all of our responsibilities. And, and the managerial economics, to your point, managerial economics 101, if I make 50% more than my direct or 25% more than my direct, I want the direct working on something that both of us can do. And frankly, I want to put some pressure on the manager who reports to me to delegate some of what she does to her directs, because if I can get her doing a part of my job that she can do, first of all, that helps her get ready to do my job, makes her more promotable. It gives the organization more flexibility, more depth, more managerial talent, if you will. It gives her a leg up when, in fact, she does get promoted. Um, but it gives me more time to work on the things that I really only I can do, Right. And too many of us, I think your point, when you said job and responsibilities that kind of click with me, too many of us think about doing everything in our job. And we think, let's do everything well. 
almost every highly effective executive I know of says, no, I don't want to do everything well. I want to do the two or three things I must do exceptionally well. And eat, and if I need to get hurt a little bit, if, if one of my directs drops one of these balls I delegate to him, that's okay because the hour I spent not doing that you know, level five responsibility rather than this level one responsibility, the mistake that I deal with then, the time that I spent not doing it is time I spent on my big balls. Yeah, it's another way of thinking about effective executives producing results rather than doing stuff, right? It's it's the results. Yeah. And and frankly, you're going to get better results by focusing on those top five things. Yeah. And the other it, and, and you know what? For the, mil- for the military folks, for, you know, if you know anything about military history, it's Napoleon saying mass at the point of decision, right? We mass our hours at the one or two or three things. Napoleon used to win battles uh, by, by beating the enemy at the point of decision, winning the key point, even though his flanks might have been crumbling at that very moment, he would steal as many people from one part of the battle that he didn't think was as important to get to the other part of the battle. And he would win it at the most important point, even if he was almost losing it a couple of other points, it didn't matter when he won at the decisive point, the enemy was routed and the battle was over. And look, speaking of, of stories about history, there's an old true story. It's denied, but it but it's fundamentally been proven to be true. And those are my favorite kind of stories, by the way, the ones that people who are involved in denying. Yeah, they're so crazy. You never true. believe it, but they actually are true. Yeah, they actually really are true. Um, Jimmy Carter, the U.S. president in the 70s, who you and I like in part because he's a Naval Academy graduate and, and a nuclear submarine officer, but President Carter is known, one of, the, one of the little anecdotes from his presidency, is that he actually took the time to personally approve requests to play tennis on the White House tennis courts. Now, look, this is an epic executive failure, okay? And with all due respect to President Carter, who, who, who it's the hardest job in the world, and it's the hardest job in the world now for President Obama and, and, and uh, you know, prime ministers and presidents and, 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 and premiers, it's just an impossibly difficult job. That job with one person is just too much. The difference between international affairs and domestic policy and commander-in-chief duties as opposed to scheduling a tennis court, folks, if that difference escapes you, you've got no business being an executive. Now, look. Here's the way to think about it. It's certainly possible that the president, surely the smartest man in the White House at the time, could have done a good job scheduling the White House tennis courts. But the issue here is that it's not that you can do a better job than anyone else at any of the things you're responsible for. You can. The issue here is that every minute you spend scheduling a tennis court is a minute you didn't spend on something else that you are likely to be better at than everyone else is. And so much better at it that no one else can do it at all to the standard it needs to be done, or in fact, that you're the only person authorized to do it. When the president schedules his tennis court, he's not making decisions about foreign affairs or importing Supreme Court justices. He's doing things many other people can do. Perhaps they can't do it as well, but nevertheless, they can. And he's not doing the things that only he or she can do. So uh, the point with delegating is you get rid of those things that will distract you from the things that only you can do. The CEO of a company has to set strategy, has to see the future five years out. He can't delegate that. He, she can't delegate that. And if we're busy talking to the press all the time, or if we're busy uh, worrying about, you know, three levels down, which manager might be right to be to, to go to graduate school or something, we're not spending time setting strategy for the company. Yeah. Um, and the CEO is the only one that can do that. 
Now, look, I'll tell you another sort of a funny story in terms of the, the over-delegating solution. There's a television show I saw recently. I saw just a couple of minutes of it. And the television show is one of those reality shows. And they help some poor family whose house is essentially full of junk. Oh, Clean um, Sweep. Is that the name of the show? I, I think it, yeah. it, it, that may be it. Clean, clean Sweep, did you say? Yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 I think yeah. that's it. It looks as if these people in these houses, frankly, are in need of some form of mental health therapy because the inside of their homes is really, it's really kind of creepy to me. Now, I don't mean to be disrespectful at all, um, but the insides of their homes are piled with all kinds of detritus. I mean, four foot high piles of three-year-old magazines on the sofa in the living room, two foot high piles of junk mail on top of the kitchen table from six, eight, ten months ago. Six-foot-high piles of aluminum cans and trash bags in the garage, literally filling the garage so you can't get in there. You have to wade through sticky garbage bags full of aluminum cans. And what I loved about it, I just saw this minute of the show, the way the experts handle this show, the way they handle these queerly unforlorn homeowners that don't really, it's no longer a home, it's just a structure with trash in it. They take everything out of the house to begin with, and they build a small box outside the house into which must go all the items that the homeowners decide that they want to take back in to the house. The experts know, and they're actually, they seem pretty smart people, that if they have to decide what to take out, there's going to be an inevitable argument about each and every item that is already in the house. You know, well, this popular mechanics is six months old, but there's an article in there I was hoping to read sometime soon. Or, yeah, but, you know, we need to keep the cans inside because the wind might blow them or whatever, yeah. right? And the, the point here is effective executives start with the premise that everything but their top one, two, or three responsibilities go out of the house. And they're only brought back in if there's room in the box after the top one, two, three are in it. And they have those top one, two, or three have been given all the time the executive wants to give them rather than what he or she can steal from other tasks or projects. That's why effective executives over-delegate to be able to focus on the right things. Yeah, that's a great point. If you start from the other perspective of, of by default, everything is mine and I'll only delegate certain items that they, it's just too high a hurdle to, yeah. to get over. And, and to your point about responsibilities and jobs, we're responsible for them, but that doesn't mean we have to do it. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Okay. So now we, we've decided that we're going to get rid of everything, but our key responsibilities. And we start with this mindset of getting rid of everything, right? Rather right. than simply delegating a few items. Do we have any more specific guidance we can offer in terms of a process to go through to decide how to delegate that, to who to delegate them to. It actually makes it pretty easy. If you really accept the delegate everything but mindset, it's simply a question of which of our directs, who gets which of these responsibilities that aren't our big ones, right? If you think of it as I got to get rid of the 15 and you're not going to get, but folks, the first time you do this, you're not going to get rid of all those 15 in in the hypothetical example of five big ones and 15 small ones. You're not, you're going to be incapable of doing it, but it really becomes, okay, who gets what? And look, rather than focusing on us, because we're going to be losing all this stuff, we start with what our directs are good at, okay? What we found is that once we have a list of what we can delegate, we do not then ask for each thing on the list of delegated responsibilities who would be good at that. Interesting. You don't start by saying who would be good at my task. That tends to overload your top people. 
and it doesn't always give them the right things. Hmm. Well, that, that is interesting, though, because that's where everybody starts. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly right. Okay, I make a list of my stuff, right? And then I say, okay, who's going to get it? Bob and Terry and Jenny and whatever, right? No, we start by analyzing each of our directs. And that's why we say, you know, what are they good at? What do they need? What do they want? We just, we create, literally, this takes no more than 10 minutes, although we're cheating a little bit there. And it, it's so simple. We take 10 minutes and, and, and we say cheating because we put a time limit on it. Don't try to spend two hours on this making it great. You're going to get, in the same way that brainstorming in two minutes gives you maybe 15 ideas, but taking five minutes only gives you 18 or 20 ideas. And those last couple of minutes are really not terribly value added. What we found is that most people can do it in about 10 minutes and and you're going to get 80% of the value out of it. And if you take three hours, that's time not spent actually following through on the delegation, right? And what we do is we make an X by five matrix. X is the number of our directs. That's the number of rows and we have five columns, okay? We fill the first column with the name of each of our directs, okay? Column two is for things they're good at. Column three is for things they need to develop in. Could be for promotion, could be a core skill, whatever. Column four is for areas they want to contribute more in, okay? And it's something they want to do, okay? And column five we'll explain in a minute. Look, and now we're focused on the direct. And, you know, this goes back to Manager Tools 101. What is a great man? A great manager is responsible for things, for responsible for accomplishing objectives for the organization. And the way we do that is supporting, developing, and managing our directs. We don't think of ourselves as a working manager. We think of ourselves as a working manager. If there, we have 10 directs and we make them all 5% more effective, that's way more valuable than making ourselves 5% more effective. Okay. But basically we've got this, this, uh, let's say we have 10 directs, we've got a 10 by five matrix and we just fill in the matrix. We think about each direct and we answer those three questions. What are they good at? Right. What do they need in terms of development or improvement or growth? And what did they want? What do they say they love to do, right? There's some things they're good at they don't love to do. So there's some things they love to do they're not good at. Right. I, I could see this. I mean, this this is something I can see taking days. Matter of fact, I suspect a lot of executives would take days going over this. No, it's not. I mean, look, you, 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 if you think about scribbling through it, 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 our guidance is to do it fast. Okay, look, if you want to spend 15 or 20 minutes, that's fine. But if you've got 10 directs, you can come up with it pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, I've seen it happen. They spend days going over it again and again. And again, I don't see any notably improved results. Because remember, we're only talking about 10 or 15 things we're responsible for. We're not going to break them down and giving 5% to this person, 11% to that person, and 21% to this person. We're only going to have 15 things to delegate maybe in in this in, in our funny example here, not to overstate that example, because now we're back in the real world. Okay, what do actual managers do? The problem is, is if you take two or three days to do it, too many managers don't delegate at all because they can't decide whom to delegate what to. And they're looking for more criteria or more data or better insight or longer time to talk to each of the directs. Far too many managers in our experience, for them, extended decision time is a form of opportunity cost because benefits can't be derived from either the manager or direct's actions until after a delegation decision has been made and communicated. Okay? 
analyzing this for days is not the way of a manager or an executive. You're not going to get notably better results. And, and, and I'm speaking specifically for those of you who know DISC to the high C's and to some degree to the high S's who are listening. Please don't spend you know more than a half an hour on this if you need to. If you've only got 15 things to delegate, you're going to end up with multiple people having multiple opportunities to, dele- to be delegated the same thing. And all you have to do is make a decision between which one. Right. Uh, you don't have 80 things to delegate. Right. If you do, you've probably done your analysis wrong. Yeah. So 10, 15 minutes, we've got our list now. And now, right. the, now the easy part, right? We, I mean, this can't be too hard to figure out. We got this, this chart here. We look down our list of responsibilities, and then we compare that to each of our directs, their wants and needs and abilities that we filled out on, on the chart. And then for each of those responsibilities, we assign it to as many directs as would be reasonable for that for that responsibility. And, and there you go. And now that's what column five is all about. That's where we write yeah. down who we've assigned that responsibility to. Right. Yeah. You know, maybe the quarterly finance review gets assigned to four different directs two because they're good at it. One, because she needs the visibility and one, because he loves that kind of stuff. And maybe, maybe something else we're going to delegate gets put next to five people's names for similar reasons. And then what we do, our last step is to look at each responsibility and make a final choice because we're not going to dis- assign one thing to five people. If we have one thing listed next to five people based on what they need and what they want and what they like or what they're good at, we're going to cross it off of four of them and leave it with one. You know, we likely have a good sense of how many things each direct can handle. We decide who gets what and we delegate. Now, um, it's funny. Here we are saying, oh, go ahead and now go ahead and delegate. And and we, I'm reminded whenever I do something like that of the, the coaching device or coaching training aid that I saw at a client years ago, this gorgeous box that was like $500 was gathering desk and all these managers desks. And it was an eight step coaching model. And step four was to coach the direct. And there was no guidance on what coaching actually was. Um, <laughs> and, and so lest we be accused of that here, uh, of, be, of having step three BB of our delegation process being delegate folks, we do have a cast on delegation more than one. In fact, it describes exactly what to say and how to say it. And so we're not going to go through that here. This cast is about choosing what to delegate rather than the actual actions of doing it. But you can delegate anything in about five minutes. Good. Okay. Well, if it's really that simple, why do we have uh, our point for a final caveat? Yeah. Really now? Come on. Um, Look, it's unlikely if we're just starting to delegate that we want to delegate two to three things each to eight or 10 directs all at once. The transition process will take some extra oversight that time when you're delegating and you're watching them do it and you're 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 maybe collaborating with them for a month or two in the transition process we're going to have to describe what we do and then demonstrate what we do and then we're going to have to dipstick as we suggested in our training cast a couple of years ago we're going to have to review their work the transition process when we're helping them learn our stuff is actually going to be harder this is so critical it's actually going to be harder than us doing it ourselves And this is actually the thing, this was the first time in talking about delegation with an executive that I first thought about the horseman curve, about as it related to manage and delegate in that period of going through a time where you're working with somebody else. And wouldn't it be just as easy to do it ourselves? Yes, it would in the short run, but managers and executives are obligated to think about the long run. And it's it's more difficult in the short run, but in the long run, you get way more time back and your your directs get more developed. So be careful. We encourage over-delegation, but not all at once. 
the most we recommend, our caveat here is the most we recommend delegating initially is one responsibility per direct. Once all of our directs have have successfully accepted their new task, we add another for those that we believe are ready for it. Pretty simple. Yeah, that makes sense. And look, overview, big picture overview of all this. When you take the key priorities off the table, but you put everything else on the table, and then you truly ask more of your directs and ask yourself whether or not you wouldn't be okay with your boss asking you to take on a new responsibility that used to be his or hers. Most people say, 80% of the time people say, sure, I'll be happy to. When you do that, when you keep your own your priorities, but you, you put everything else on the table and ask more of your folks, that's when you start thinking like an executive. If we learn this skill before we become an executive, we have a real chance at becoming highly effective and highly successful as an executive. And really, that's unofficially the definition of a leader. Good. So don't delegate your primary responsibility. Effective managers over-delegate constantly. We shared a process for delegating to your directs what they're good at or what they need or what they want. That's how you divvy up the things you've got. And then be cautious. Don't overdo it and end up breaking yourself and them because you're managing too many delegations at the same time, one delegation at a time per direct. Excellent. Thanks, my friend. That was great. Simple. Yeah, very simple. But unfortunately, uh, too often undone. So yes, maybe, maybe this will make the difference. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe we'll just have this, this the wave over of delegation. delegation out there. Yeah, there you go. What do you think? <laughs> we'll see you. Thanks, partner. Bye. All right, everyone, that's it. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you back here next week. Have a great one.